Hi, my name's Clark Reynolds, aka The Blind Braille Artist. And my name's Steve Baker, and I'm Just Good Company. Together, we create the podcast Art in Sight. We're travelling along the South Coast for an Arts Council funded project to explore what audio description is. As an artist myself who's blind, I like to experience the art like it was intended. So, Steve, create that for me. All right, mate. All right, mate. We are outside doing a reflection today. We're back in Brighton, aren't we? It is, because uh, lovely, good Friday, sunny day. And we're taking the opportunity to chill and chat in the sun with, in front of some beautiful graffiti all around here, which we're hoping to, at some point, to talk about. Well, Brighton has been amazing, hasn't it? The, the literally come out of the, come out of the car, and art is all around you. And even before we got to the gallery, it was made me feel happy. Yeah, so should we have a little reflect on uh, what happened at the Phoenix just a few days ago? Well, the building, the building did not look like a gallery. No. It, I've never, it looked like something from the 1970s, tower block, brutalism, and somehow that's an art gallery. I think one of the, because when we drove down, I mean, we're really lucky this week to uh, meet up with uh, Michael Danks, who actually videoed us with 3D uh, 360 degree video, which you can see uh, on that whole part you can see on the um, Outside, Ins. Outside Ins website. And they've got a virtual gallery tour, but we were lucky to meet Michael at a place called the Fuse Box, which was itself was a really great part of the experience. It was, it was a collective of like-minded creatives just, just turning up, doing what they're doing, but willing to talk to you as because we were strangers. Yeah, and that was a similar building, wasn't it? So they, it's like they in Brighton, they've got this uh, really nifty knack of using old buildings, not knocking them down, not wasting all of that previous energy. And not turning them into university student accommodation. <laughs> well, well, you never know. But what I also liked about the, those people um, was it wasn't just artists, was it? There was a whole ream of creative industries in the same place. So we were lucky enough to talk to some people that uh, just by coincidence were working on podcasts and, you know, we got to look at people that are working on art with AI and how that's working and coming forward. And it was just such a, a lovely atmosphere where people were just really willing to share what they know to create something new. And great conversations. And, and that's what we do with our art. We, you know, we talk about what we see. And, it, and when we got to that place in Phoenix and we saw that 1970s building and I said to you, where's the gallery? Exactly. Where's the gallery? Where? Because we're so used to seeing a typical gallery, modern gallery in a building or, or that has a presence. And this just felt like if you walked past it, you would never know. You wouldn't. And it was on a main road, uh, a 60, an old sort of 70s building reused the whole downstairs was all gallery space and a, a lovely cafe and then upstairs all artist studios absolutely upstairs and downstairs i mean you think how many rooms are in that building and they were all jam-packed with artists all just creating and then you want you know i think from us sort of traveling from portsmouth to Brighton, but also having been to other locations which have been lovely, I don't think we've really uh, encountered a city where art is just seemingly part of it. Part of the city, part of the nature. You know, literally it's only an hour and a half up the road from Portsmouth, and they say Brighton is the new London, 
Why can't Portsmouth be the new Brighton? Well, indeed, or why couldn't any city take art to its heart and actually let it out and allow people to understand that it's way more than just looking at a pretty picture? You know, we've, we, when we arrived here and we were lucky enough to, to, to visit the fuse box, you know, the amount of street art, you know, is just non-stop everywhere and it's not the stuff that people generally criticize it's beautiful art everywhere. it's tagging but if you gave a tagger time and space they would create great works because you know tagging is you, you at least you got an instant two minutes you've done you're gone but here obviously they gave a tagger a day to create something beautiful but it's still tagging but it's art and it the and what you get is a huge diversity of art you know from you know from memory you know you've got a, a massive mural of a shark and then you've got another one which is some kind of underwater landscape i don't know why i'm focusing on sea themes but those we are were, by the sea those, though those isn't it? Were, it's strange <laughs> it was and then but the actual so we then having kind of soaked it all up we we visited uh, the actual exhibition yeah itself. and it was great again at that we don't set out to talk about disability arts or marginalised arts. It's just the way this podcast has evolved. And it's really nice seeing art that is beautiful put into a gallery made by someone you'd think, oh, they're not artists. And that's how, what I face every day as a disabled artist. Interesting. I agree completely. I mean, we're seeing such a range of... Uh, mediums used and, and stuff that you, you wouldn't perceive that would make it into a gallery. So quite often it's it's not on canvases, it's not been done in a way which was ever really maybe intended to, to do that. It's, you know, it's just on paper, but one of the things I loved about the way that they've exhibited here is they put everything in frames. So it really gave a sense of being respected. And ownership. Ownership, and, and get, just paying that respect to the artist that had created it. And Alan's work, I think, was... Felt tips. I mean, when, when we came back home and I, I said to my partner, I said, but it was all the felt tips and, I, and, I, and the idea of, I used to do that. I used to do that as a child. My daughter does it. Your kids do it. They do. You know, and yet we saw in, in an exhibition of felt tips, of colouring with felt tips, but in a way it's mark making. And mark making been around for generations, but no one's thought about, oh, well, I'll, I'll do some scribbling with some felt tips, that's art. I know, and I think it's almost like, like in all forms of life, there's sort of a stigma against an element of it, in a way. And I think it's like felt tips. You know, so felt tips are in your pound land, they're in your, you know, the range, or whatever local kind of shop that's just got some felt tips. And you would think that that's just child's play, but here we are in a, in a solo show, which has won an award, which is being exhibited by a disabled artist, and it was beautiful. It was, there was so much energy with the mark making, and I, I'm glad that you could instantly tell that it was felt tips. Yeah. There was no hiding it, you know, and, and I think that gave us the enjoyment when we were speaking about, because it made us feel like a child again, when we were creating art back, back 20 odd years it ago. It did, and also for, for me, in a way, as sort of emerging with my own art, and, and others that might be perceiving that they might want to, you know, all you need to do is, grab some felt tips and just take it, just take it more to your heart. It doesn't have to go anywhere. You don't have to, you don't have to fork out for expensive oils, um, all the materials, you know, all you need. And as a child, I grew up with, I don't have anything. All I had was a couple of pieces of paper and my felt tips. And off so, we went. And off we went. And that, so that memory for me, 30, 35 years ago, and now seeing it in an exhibition, is great. I think the thing about the using any art material to make art 
for me, is so much more about the, the benefits of creating the art rather than the outcome of the art. So you get so many more benefits in terms of, like you say, you know, art has saved your life. I mean, art hasn't saved your life because you made a beautiful piece of art. Art has saved your life because you were creating art on a constant basis, which has kept you in a mental state, even through tribulations that have allowed you to be strong enough to come through it. And I think that that form of making art, I think it should be encouraged. You know, not everybody necessarily wants to, to be exhibited, but I think everybody can use the power of making art to enable themselves to navigate their life in a better way. And I guarantee, so, so if that artwork had just been, he'd just done some stuff with some felt tips, someone came along, they'd have just chucked it in a bin. They would never seen art. And this is the story that how Outside In was created. Oh yeah. So you like this. So Mark Steen uh, went to, who's the director of Outside In, he went to work with some disability arts um, artists who were learning disabilities and he did an amazing creative day. They did some brilliant work. We went back the next day to come and collect the work and he said, where's the work? And they, and they said, oh no, the cleaners put it all in the bin, it's in the rubbish. And he said, what do you mean it's in the rubbish? And that's how the whole process of disabled arts, arts is not seen worthy enough, even though you just used the, the most simplest methods and that's how Outside In was created. Which is, it's a beautiful story. So do you want to just say a little bit more about Outside In? So Outside In for me was an organisation, as soon as I started losing my site, I just Googled disability arts and they appeared straight away on the top of the search. I knew nothing about them, um, even though they were in, up in the, just up the road, Chichester and now Brighton. And I've really taken to heart about their ethos, about artists for everyone. And now I'm an ambassador, I really try to push that with my art. And we're, we're again today back in uh, Brighton at the, the gallery which we're coming along to with Fabrica. And that's where I made my first share up with Outside In. And then from that moment on, they asked me to be Artist of the Month and I've not looked back since. And it's so many parts of this podcast journey seems to be bringing you back to parts of your past, which are just quite an, a beautiful way for you to experience art again. And for you to know about my life. I find that, I find it fascinating. I think you, <laughs> it doesn't go a few days without me learning something new and gratuitous about the life you've had to lead. Um, and I always find it inspiring uh, and to actually see it with you as we're traveling and getting you to experience, you know, or being part of your experience today by going back to Fabrica. I think it's, it's a really, well, for me, it's a fascinating thing to observe because I see the impact on you, but I also feel it for myself. Um, well, this journey we've gone on together and uh, we love these little reflections because it gives you an insight of how we're feeling and thinking a couple of days after the event. And it does ch tend to, to change and you let things sink in. I think we've learned an awful lot so far from visiting Phoenix and the Fuse Box. What about the rest of the actual exhibition? It was great. I loved all the different mediums. And again, I, we talked about framing. I think framing it, even though if it was on paper, I think mean, there's one that was on a canvas, but the rest was on paper. But it proves the value of art. You know, it's not, oh, I've got a piece of paper, I'll just, you know, it ends up in the back of the drawer, in the back of the kitchen. You know, I frame my daughter's work when she does things on paper. And no doubt she feels special when you do that. Exactly, and, and all artists should. We, we should. Um, what I really liked about the additional work that we looked at was the stories that were coming out. I think there were a few pieces that were depicting people. You know, the one with the red one with all of the thousands of people all kind of 
looking at you with yeah, that little... And, and the medieval print with and people with the stories that mind you of Wed's Wally. Exactly. And it was strange how we, 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 we kind of gra gravitased our way to those artworks. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to do that, that, that. It just the, the nature of how our conversations and we just picked up on a theme and we, we ran with it. And that, it once again shows you the diversity in the messaging that's all coming out of the artwork that's being produced by disabled artists as much as any story could be told with any piece of art. And like I said, now's the time that we deserve a voice. You know, we're not just a hobby, we, you know, we're professionals. I completely agree. And there's nothing that I, I there's absolutely no way to, to disagree with that statement. I think if you spend time paying attention to what's there with these organisations, like the Darlington Art Project and Project Artworks and Outside In, the, it, it's, it's amazing work but actually the art just stands alone. Of course it does. And like, just, you just talking about all those things and I just have memories. I feel quite emotional just thinking about Project Artworks and our first podcast we did at Hastings. And it's, and it's those memories that this podcast is going to live for me forever. And me too. Well, <laughs> until next time, mate. And on, the end, on that note, we'll be back with the next podcast relatively soon. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us for this episode. If you'd like to find out more about the special Baker Reynolds method of audio description or you'd like to know more about Art Insight, you can find us on Instagram at Art Insight Podcast. Till next time. <laughs>